Joe Biden's team tries to teach him not to trip as the president visits a United Auto Workers picket line. New evidence shows Hunter Biden took a $250,000 check from the Chinese and it was sent to Joe Biden's house. And former Trump aide Cassidy Hutchinson makes the rounds with some juicy tales. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Thousands of my listeners have already secured their network data. Join them. ExpressVPN.com slash Ben. Alrighty, so Joe Biden's numbers continue to look absolutely awful. There's a brand new poll out, and it shows that Joe Biden's numbers, again, remain just devastatingly bad. For example, this NBC News poll that just recently came out shows that Republicans have a 21-point advantage on the economy. 49% of registered voters pick the GOP, 28% pick the Democrats. That is the biggest lead Republicans have held on that question since 1991. Since 1991, remember, Joe Biden, like a moron, decided that he was going to brand his entire economic program Bidenomics, which gives a shorthand to his Republican opponents to now hang the economy around his neck. They're going to do that anyway. But now he himself has cut ads for them saying Bidenomics is working over and over creepily into a microphone. Bidenomics is working. Like, just juxtapose that footage with all of the inflation stats. Juxtapose all of that footage with the stagnating economy, how people feel about the economy, and it's not going to work well for the Democrats. These are really, really bad numbers for Joe Biden. And so if you're wondering why it is that in every major national poll, Donald Trump is running either even to or above Joe Biden, the answer is because Joe Biden is terrible at the president thing. Well, even James Carville, who of course is a Democrat pollster analyst, even Carville is like somebody over there needs to wake the F up because Trump could easily win this election. Let's assume the election was November the 3rd of this year. And and they said the candidates are Joe Joe Biden, the Democrat, Donald Trump, the Republican, uh, Joe Manchin and Larry Hogan, no labels, and Cornell West. Mm. Trump would be a betting favorite. Yes. If I told you I totally. would give you even money, you would not take that bet. All right. Um, and not- so somebody better wake the f- up. Okay, Carville is not wrong about this. Again, the polls are a, a little bit disparate. We had the poll from ABC News, Washington Post, with Trump up 10. And that came out just a couple of days ago. Now there's a new morning console poll that shows Biden up one. But Biden up one means that Biden is winning 43% of the vote. That is a 43-42 race. So the question here is whether there's a ceiling for Trump or whether there's a ceiling for Biden. Who is this election going to be a referendum on? Well, meanwhile, Joe Biden's team is physically attempting, I kid you not, to stop him from tripping. There's an article, not, not like tripping on on drugs, like actually just physically tripping and falling down. According to Axios, President Biden and his campaign are working on a critical project for his re-election bid. Make sure he doesn't trip. (laughs) Things are going amazing over at the Biden campaign. I have to say that that Donald Trump's description of Joe Biden walking a couple weeks ago in an interview continues to be the single best description of Joe Biden walking Donald Trump. He looks like he's walking on toothpicks every time he walks. Looks like he's walking on toothpicks. And that, that is true. It looks as though he is desperately attempting not to fall over. According to Axios, as voters express deep concerns about the 80-year-old president's age and fitness for office, Biden's team is taking extra steps to prevent him from stumbling in public. With a physical therapist, Biden has been doing exercises to improve his balance as far back as November 2021. He's been wearing tennis shoes more often to avoid slipping and using the short stairs on Air Force One, entering the plane on a lower deck than before, because every time he goes up the stairs, he keeps falling up the stairs. Democrats, including some in the administration, are terrified Biden will have a bad fall with a nightmare scenario of that happening in the weeks before the November 2024 election. You remember this actually happened to Hillary Clinton when she collapsed into a van just a couple of weeks out from the 2016 election. According to Axios, some senior Democrats privately have been frustrated with Biden's advance team for months, citing the incident with a sandbag where he tripped over a sandbag and fell down and noting that the president often appears not to know which direction to go after he speaks at a podium. Biden's balance difficulties are likely the result of what his physician has diagnosed as a combination of significant spinal arthritis and a mild post-fracture foot arthritis. He works out many mornings with his physical therapist and he has to have proprioceptive maintenance maneuvers. So um, that is interesting. Apparently, the White House spokesperson, Andrew Bates, told Axios this isn't new. This was disclosed in a 2021 report from the president's doctor and then again this year. So... Biden's erratic behavior, his inability to to actually stick with with a train of thought and the fact that he's literally falling down. All of this undercuts the feeling that this is a a durable candidate. I mean, there's footage immediately after the story came up. Joe Biden was going up the short stairs again. They're not having him take the long, tall stairs like the middle of the plane anymore. They're having him take the short stairs, which makes sense since he uh, usually rides the short bus. In any case, here he was going up the short stairs and uh, and nearly tripping. 
And there he goes. Almost slips, almost falls. Uh, again, I've been saying for, for months that watching Joe Biden do a press conference or go up a flight of stairs or anything, it feels like watching Nick Walenda cross a volcano on a tightrope. Like you just don't know when you're going to be watching history in the making every time he goes down or up a flight of stairs. Now, again, he could survive all of that if you were well-respected. He could survive all of that if there weren't a broad scale recognition that he's very bad at the president thing, that when it comes to the policy, he's really bad. And also, he's still plagued by serious corruption allegations. And there's more news breaking on those corruption allegations, actually, like a rather significant piece of news breaking on those corruption allegations. We'll get to that momentarily first. If you're feeling uncertain about the future of the economy, one thing that smart people do is diversify into hard assets. Well, one of the hardest assets of all time is a soft metal called gold. The reality is that diversifying into precious metals It's a smart idea. I'm not saying take all of your money, cash it out and buy gold. What I am saying is that you should hedge your bets by investing in a currency that has never been worth zero. You can protect your IRA or 401k by diversifying with gold from Birch Gold. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. I buy my gold from Birch Gold. I trust them to help diversify my own savings. As the US dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, as the American government continues to spend endless amounts of money, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Text Ben to 989898. They will send you a free info kit on gold. We've got an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Thousands of happy customers, countless five-star reviews. I trust Birch Gold to help you diversify into gold. If a central bank digital currency were to become a reality, well, it'd be nice to have some gold to depend on because otherwise you're depending on government bureaucrats to keep your savings safe. Never an excellent bet. Again, text Ben to 989898 to get started with my friends over at Birch Gold. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, a child's life is molded by his or her home, school, friends, community. A positive experience in all these areas helps build a healthy child. Cars for Kids, that's Cars with a K, is a registered nonprofit organization aimed at giving children the tools to succeed in life. If you have a car that's just sitting in your driveway, taking up space, you should consider donating it to Cars for Kids. You know Cars for Kids, they've got that jingle, right? The 1877-CARS-FOR-KIDS-K-R-S, you know it. If you're tired of looking at that old car in your driveway or hearing your spouse complain about it, why not let Cars for Kids take care of it for you? Here's how it works. Visit their website at carsforkids.org slash Ben. Let them take care of it from there. The whole process only takes two minutes. Cars for Kids will schedule a pickup at a time that's convenient for you. If you don't have a car, you can still help. Cars for Kids accepts non-cash donations of school supplies, clothing, sports equipment, and more. So what exactly are you waiting for? Call now or visit carsforkids.org slash Ben to get the ball rolling today. That's Cars with a K, the number four, at carsforkids.org slash Ben. That's carsforkids.org slash Ben. So in breaking news, Representative James Comer, who's the leader of the GOP Oversight Committee in the House, He has now revealed that there was a wire amount from a Chinese figure to Hunter Biden. And it was listing on this wire amount Joe Biden's home address. According to James Comer, House Committee on Oversight and Accountability Chairman James Comer announced the House Oversight Committee subpoenaed and obtained two bank wires revealing Hunter Biden received payments originating from Chinese nationals, including Jonathan Lee, in July and August 2019, when Joe Biden was running for president of the United States. Joe Biden's Wilmington, Delaware home address is listed as the beneficiary address for both wires. He said, quote, bank records don't lie, but President Joe Biden does. In 2020, Joe Biden told Americans his family never received money from China. We've already proved that to be a lie earlier this year. Now we know two wires originating from Beijing listed Joe Biden's Wilmington home as the beneficiary address when he was running for president of the United States. When Joe Biden was vice president, he spoke on the phone and had coffee with Jonathan Lee in Beijing and later wrote a college letter of recommendation for his children. Joe Biden's abuse of public office for his family's financial gain threatens our national security. What did the Bidens do with this money from Beijing? Americans demand and deserve accountability for President Biden and the first family's corruption. Okay, so we have now moved the goalposts. Remember, the goalposts were Hunter Biden never did anything, never took Chinese money, nothing. To, okay, Hunter Biden may have taken Chinese money, but Joe never knew about it. To, well, Joe knew about it, but he was never involved in the business. To, well, Joe was involved in the business, but only tangentially by, you know, joining for like business calls. To, well, Joe knew and he was probably kind of involved in the business and knew that his son was trafficking in his name and helping out his son. But the money never physically entered anything remotely to do with Joe Biden. To, well, yeah, I mean, the wires did have his home address on them. But did Joe Biden personally take that check to the bank? That That, that is where we are now in this particular story. By the way, it is worth noting that at the time that this wire listed Joe Biden's home address. You know who was not actually living at the home at that time? was Hunter Biden. According to his own memoir, he was living in California at the time. So apparently he was just, I don't know, using the home address of Joe Biden, best case scenario, because it was kind of a stable address for him to send the money. By the way, that would be the same home address where Hunter Biden 
was was sometimes staying and Joe Biden was keeping all those classified documents. Speaking of which, the Biden document classified document scandal is now apparently increasing. According to the ABC News report, the federal investigation into Joe Biden's handling of classified documents prior to becoming president has now grown into a sprawling examination of Obama-era security protocols and internal White House processes, with investigators so far interviewing scores of witnesses, including Secretary of State Antony Blinken. Federal prosecutors and FBI agents from special counsel Robert Hur's office have been interviewing witnesses for nearly nine months, targeting an expansive constellation of former aides, from high-level advisors to executive assistants and at least one White House attorney. Apparently, as many as 100 witnesses have already been interviewed. Apparently, authorities had apparently uncovered instances of carelessness from Biden's vice presidency. It seemed to them that it was more likely a mistake than criminal act that Biden took these documents with him, but they've reached no final determinations and the investigation remains ongoing. Now, all of this would be significantly less suspicious were Hunter Biden not receiving wires from foreign sources while Joe Biden had been presiding over the policy. And then Joe Biden runs for president. He's keeping these documents in the garage next to his Corvette where Hunter Biden is present. Not only that, by the way, all of this would be a little bit less troubling if it were not for the fact that we now know, for example, that Joe Biden and his friends apparently like hanging out with like Iranian sources. There's a fascinating scoop from Semaphore talking about how the senior Iranian foreign ministry actually created a an effort to boost Iran in the United States. And they effectively co-opted a bunch of Obama-era officials, including people who ended up in Joe Biden's administration. And you're talking about like documents floating around. You're talking about suspicious people hanging around those documents. If you're talking, frankly, about lack of, of national security awareness or care, Joe Biden is, is near the top of that list. And all of this is deeply suspicious. And not just Hunter Biden receiving bribery money, which is pretty obviously what was going on here. But the fact that you've got these classified documents that are floating around every which way. You can say it was a mistake that Joe Biden took all that stuff home. All right, but at the very least, I mean, he took those home. He left them in D.C., in his office. He left them in his Wilmington, Delaware, in in his garage. And apparently, Iranian officials were swarming the Biden administration and the Obama administration. According to Semaphore, in the spring of 2014, senior Iranian foreign ministry officials initiated a quiet effort to bolster Tehran's image and positions on global security issues, particularly its nuclear program, by building ties with a network of influential overseas academics and researchers. They called it the Iran Experts Initiative. The scope and scale of the IEI project has emerged in a large cache of Iranian government correspondence and emails reported for the first time by Semaphore and Iran International. The officials working under President Hassan Rouhani congratulated themselves on the impact of the initiative. At least three of the people on the foreign ministry list, people who are considered allies of Iran, were or became top aides to Robert Malley, the Biden administration's special envoy on Iran, who was placed on leave this June following the suspension of his security clearance. The documents offer deep and unprecedented new insights into the thinking and inner workings of Iran's foreign ministry at a crucial time in the nuclear diplomacy. The communications reveal the access Rouhani's diplomats have had to Washington and Europe's policy circles, particularly during the final years of the Obama administration through this network. One of the German academics in the IEI offered to go straight op-eds for officials in Tehran, Others would at times seek advice from the foreign ministry staff about attending conferences and hearings in the United States and Israel. The emails describe the IEI being initiated follow Rouhani's 2013 election when he was looking to find an accommodation with the West on nuclear issues. And basically, they just started planting people around Washington, D.C., and a bunch of those people ended up in the Biden administration, including people surrounding Robert Malley. I mean, this is frightening stuff and demonstrative of just how corrupt the ties are between foreign adversaries like Iran and the and the Obama administration. I mean, truly astonishing stuff right there. This is why Robert Malley, who was, again, brought on by Barack Obama and was an Iranian ally, apparently, and uh, and also was then brought on by Joe Biden to negotiate with Iran and was surrounded by people who had been cultivated directly by Iran. That is frightening stuff, obviously. Okay, in just one second. We'll get to the fact that because Joe Biden is flailing in the polls because his policy is really bad because he's surrounded by bad people, now he's forced to take extremely radical measures to shore up his sort of core of support. We'll get to that momentarily first. Let's imagine for a second that your job is to go and obtain artifacts, like old artifacts. And so you find yourself in South America trying to make your way through some sort of bizarre cave and it's got traps everywhere. And as as you're moving through this cave, 
a giant boulder. You really, you actually do this this dumb thing. You you try to substitute a, a sack of sand for a statue, trying to make the weight even, and it doesn't work. And giant boulder is rolling after you. As that boulder rolls after you, you think to yourself, "Man, I should have listened to Shapiro. I should have headed on over to Policy Genius and got myself some life insurance." But Policy Genius makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from top companies and find your lowest price. Let me tell you from personal experience, it's really good to check this off your list because now you know your family is protected in case, God forbid, the boulder should smush you. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies starting just 292 bucks per year for a million dollars in coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid those unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius is licensed agents. They work for you, not the insurance companies. That means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another so you can actually trust their guidance. No added fees. Your personal information remains private. Your loved ones deserve that financial safety net and you deserve a smarter way to find and buy it. Head over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro or click that link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes. See how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash Shapiro. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, you may have noticed we're experiencing a ton of global instability as primary season continues. How are you protecting your family in the midst of all of this chaos and nonsense? The fact is there is one asset that has withstood famine, war, political and economic upheaval dating all the way back to biblical times. That, of course, would be gold. It's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold can help you create a well-thought-out, balanced investment strategy. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold without paying a penny out of pocket. Diversify into gold today. Just text Ben to 989898 for a free info kit. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to check out Birch Gold today. Text Ben to 989898. Claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Smart investors diversify. And when you look at the pace of inflation over the past several years, you can see financial instability is the new way of the world. Text Ben to 989898 to get started with Birch Gold today. Text Ben to 989898 and talk to my friends over at Birch Gold. Okay, so because Joe Biden is flailing in the polls, because independents are turning away from him, because at best he's running competitive with Donald Trump. Again, that should be like every morning bell should be going off for Democrats. Democrats believe that Donald Trump is deeply unpopular. And by the polls, Donald Trump, his popularity ratings, his 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 popularity, unpopularity ratings remain absolutely bad. Okay, I know that there are a lot of people on the right who love him. That does not change the fact that when you look at his approval rating, when you look at Donald Trump's approval rating, what you find is that his approval rating is really, really bad. The latest approval ratings for Donald Trump right now, according to 538, his latest approval rating is 41%, unfavorable 55%. Those are not good numbers. The fact that Joe Biden is running even with him as the incumbent president, that is horrifying news for Joe Biden. Remember, this is a guy who won 7 million more popular votes than Donald Trump, specifically in reaction to Trump. So what does that mean? It means that Joe Biden has to lock down that core support. How, how's he going to lock down that core support? Well, apparently it means that he is going to now signal to every union in the United States that if they strike, He's going to stand on their side against their employer in the middle of an inflationary wage price spiral. This is totally crazy. Okay, so the United Auto Workers are currently in the middle of a strike against two of the big three. They're, they're striking still against Ford, but they've decided not to broaden the strike because Ford is making a bunch of concessions. Now, I remind you that the demands that are currently being made by the UAW are totally insane. And what they actually want is crazy. They want a 36% pay increase across a four-year contract. They also would like annual cost of living adjustments, which means an automatic raise. They also want their their benefits plans moved from defined from defined payments plans to defined benefits plans. So instead of you getting back sort of what you pay in plus a percentage, they want a defined benefits plan, which is what bankrupted the automakers in the first place. They also want a 32-hour work week and everything above 32 hours paid is overtime, which is totally crazy. So these are these are nuts. They also want the big three to scrap their two-tiered wage structure under that current system. Top-tier workers, according to CBS News, earn an average of 33 bucks an hour. Those hired after 2007 are classified as lower tier and earn about 17 bucks an hour. They, the UAW says that they just want to get rid of that, so everyone gets paid $33 an hour. So they want the defined pension. They want substantial paid raises. They want more paid time off. And they want a four-day work week, 32 hours for 40 hours of pay which is nuts. They also want a right to strike over plant closings. So if the plants close because the profitability goes away, they want to be able to strike over that. They also want a working family protection program that pays UAW to do community service work if the company shut down a facility. So if they shut down a facility in Detroit, 
UAW is now going to have to basically Ford, if they shut down Stellantis, if they shut down a factory, they're going to have to pay the UAW workers to go to a food kitchen and work, which makes zero sense at all. They also want to represent workers at their electric vehicle battery factories, which are being built right now in joint ventures between automakers and South Korean battery makers. These are their demands. So this is a list of demands that is totally nuts. Okay, these are nutty demands. What the, it's particularly nutty, given the fact that, again, these car makers are about to face the hammer of the Biden administration trying to force through electric vehicle transitions. So the, the big three are deeply reliant, as I've said before, on gas-powered engines, traditional engines. And Joe Biden, because he is captured by his environmentalist base, believes that he can force down and cram down through government mandates that all of these companies move toward electric vehicle manufacture. The problem is a lot more of that stuff is automated. And so it means the number one profitability for these companies is going to go down because their chief sources of profit are, are going to go away in certain terms of the gas-powered engines. And number two, a lot of the jobs are going to go away. So at a time when the jobs are threatened, thanks to the Biden administration, and the profitability is threatened, thanks to the Biden administration, Joe Biden is siding with the UAW. So yesterday, Joe Biden went to the actual Michigan picket line. He did this because he is afraid that the UAW is not going to get out the vote for him in 2024. That's really all this comes down to. Sean Fain had already said, we're not going to issue an endorsement of Joe Biden because you either stand with us or you don't stand with us. And so Joe Biden, like a good little lapdog, then went to Michigan and went to the picket lines with Sean Fain, which is crazy. Again, the, the, the federal government should not be taking open sides between businesses and unions. It's their job to help facilitate, if anything. You already have the NLRB, which exists, the National Labor Relations Board, an abomination of American government that exists to help facilitate these things. They're really just a union cutout when Democrats run the place. So actively going and, and picketing with the UAW saying, we agree with you on your demands. You want, you want inflation? You want stagnation? This is the way you get inflation and stagnation is you have these unions that are striking in the middle of an inflationary economy on, to, to get higher wages and higher benefits, driving up prices at a time when, again, people can't even pay the prices they currently have, which is going to lead to less demand, which is going to lead to loss of jobs, which is going to lead to stagnation. And then you're going to get true stagflation. Everybody feels it. And Joe Biden is going here because he knows he needs that union support. That's how desperate Joe Biden is. According to the Wall Street Journal, he walked a Michigan picket line with striking auto workers on Tuesday, offering an unprecedented display of union support as he and former President Donald Trump prepared for a fight for working class voters. Biden joined members of the UAW union at a GM customer care center, a politically risky step that makes him the first U.S. president to walk a picket line. This is totally nuts. Again, they're calling for a 40% pay raise. These workers are calling for a 40% pay raise. So we'll get to Joe Biden's activities on the picket line in just one second. Again, all the Bidenomics is going to sink Joe Biden and his choice here is I'm going to steer directly into it. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. We'll see how it pays off for him. First, think of the time and money your family invested to capture family vacations, football games, birthdays, your wedding. You got all that tape out in your garage right now. VHS tapes. Now, do you have a VCR? You got all those film reels from your parents and grandparents. Do you have like a film projector in your house, do you? You don't have any of those things. What you need is to digitize that stuff and to save it per for posterity because, again, it degrades over time. Legacy Box is the company that makes this happen. Legacy Box exists to preserve your family's recorded moments digitally, ensuring they are safe forever. Legacy Box is a simple, safe solution for digitizing all your memories. And by going to LegacyBox.com slash Shapiro, you can enjoy 40% off when you get started with Legacy Box today. The process is super simple. You send in your Legacy Box filled with those old VHS tapes, camcorder tapes, pictures. Their team professionally digitizes everything by hand in the United States of America. I've done this for my parents twice. We've done it ourselves. I've done it for my in-laws as well. You'll get it back on the cloud or thumb drive along with your originals. Legacy Box digitizes over 15 different types of analog media. So whether it's VHS tapes or super eight millimeter film reels or photo negatives, they've got you covered. After 10 years in business, Legacy Box is the world's largest digitizer. They've helped over 1 million families relive their wedding days, chaotic childhood Christmases, even road trips to Yellowstone. Go to LegacyBox.com slash Shapiro, get an incredible 40% off today. And you can buy today, send in when you're ready, LegacyBox.com slash Shapiro. That's LegacyBox.com slash Shapiro. Okay, so Joe Biden actually was there for all of 12 minutes. That's all it took. Because again, all he really has to do here is just demonstrate that he has full fealty to the unions. In a written statement on Tuesday, Donald Trump responded by blaming workers' problems on the push by Biden and Democrats to promote EVs. He said, crooked Joe should be ashamed to show his face before these hardworking Americans he is stabbing in the back. There's, there's truth to all of that. Trump had announced his Michigan visit first. 
Biden's team then announced that he was going to go to the picket lines himself to demonstrate again full fealty, to bend the knee to Sean Fain. Joe Biden was cheered by the UAW as he arrived because why wouldn't, I mean, he works for them. He doesn't work for you, the taxpayer. Remember, the most corrupt bargain in American politics is unions electing the very people who then help help negotiate rich contracts on their behalf using the full weight and force of the federal government. Super corrupt. Here's Joe Biden arriving yesterday in Wayne County, Michigan. Wall Street didn't build the country. The middle class built the country. Yeah. 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 built the middle class. Yeah. That's a fact. That's a fact. So let's keep going. You deserve what you've earned, and you've earned a hell of a lot more than you're getting paid now. Thank you. You deserve what you've earned. Okay, well, if they had earned it, then presumably they would have been able to negotiate this without striking and bringing the president of the United States as the pressure cooker for, for, the, for the big car companies. By the way, here's how this works. You cram down these union contracts. The auto companies go belly up. And then the federal government comes in and bails them out. This would be, we've done it twice before in modern American history. It happened in the early 80s and then it happened again in 2008, 2009. So we've been here before. Cram down a bunch of crappy contracts, bankrupt the auto companies, make them uncompetitive, and then come in and bail them out with taxpayer cash. That is the way all of this works. When Joe Biden, by the way, says that Wall Street didn't build the country, the middle class built the country. What is this? That's such a, that's such a stupid line. Wall Street is not working in opposition to the middle class. Who do you think invested in the company that hires people? Who do you think these companies are built by investors? They are built by entrepreneurs. And then those companies create a market. And then they have to cater to that market by hiring workers and hiring labor. The notion that the middle class didn't exist until unions existed in the United States is a lie. The United States is a middle class country by the time of de Tocqueville. It's ridiculous. And when Joe Biden says, then Joe Biden says, stick with it. You deserve the raise. You deserve the significant raise. Stick with it. So you, so you want the strike to continue is what you're saying. If you're the president of the United States, he's wearing a UAW hat. So he's, I mean, this is, it's egregious stuff. It's really quite disgusting. Putting on the hat of a union in the middle of a negotiation with an employer. These are two supposedly private parties. Remember, the UAW is a private sector union. And Joe Biden is supposed to be representing you, the taxpayer, not the union. I mean, this is this is wild stuff. There's a reason no president has done this in the past, including Barack Obama, who is totally in hock to the unions. Here, here is Joe Biden being as radical as radical can be. You guys, the UAW, you saved the automobile industry back in 2008 and before. Made How in the world did what? Gave up a lot. And the companies were in trouble. But now they're doing incredibly well. And guess what? You should be doing incredibly well, too. It's about time for them to step up for us. Who is us, my friend? Who is us? I mean, first of all, let me point out that the reason that the UAW had to make concessions to the automakers in 2008 is because the automakers were bankrupt. They were literally bankrupt. They're going to be sold on the chopping block. Every UAW contract would have gone to zero. Zero, because they bankruptcy would have voided the contracts. So what they had to do is make concessions to receive $34 billion in federal aid. Again, this is the way that it works. The UAW cuts these really rich contracts with the automakers at the behest of the government. And then the market goes south. The automakers take it on the chin. They're on the verge of bankruptcy. And guess who gets to pay for it? You get to pay for it. That's the way all of this works. Well, it's very awkward because, again, the UAW right now is striking for benefits that no American gets. I mean, a 40% pay raise. Over four years, 40%, a 32-hour work week, a unicorn. Like, that, that's what they're currently striking for. And so, Corinne Jean-Pierre was asked at the White House, uh, so is he actually in agreement with all these demands? Is that what he wants here? And she's like, well, I'm not going to say. I'm not, I mean, he's out there on the picket lines with them, but um, he's not expressing a policy preference. Well, I noticed that when you endorse one side in a negotiation that generally involves endorsing their positions, that's an absurdity. All you had to do is not go to the picket line if you didn't want to express a policy preference. If I go to a picket line where people are literally striking for X, Y, and Z, and I don't express my policy preference, I just put on their hat and I talk about how wonderful they are and how they deserve everything they're striking for. Well, yeah, I mean, he's endorsing the UAW position, but the problem is now the White House is stuck between a rock and a hard place because as the economy continues to turn south, guess who's going to get blamed? Joe Biden out there on the picket lines. It's the easiest ad in the world. Your car now costs a bunch more than it would have cost otherwise. 
You know who's to blame for that? Joe Biden. Joe Biden's to blame for that. Well, here is Corinne Jean-Pierre trying to somehow get out from the sticky position. It seems like by going to stand with workers at a picket line, the president is literally standing with them in the terms that they're seeking in the contract dispute. But when you're asked about some of the specifics of that, you seem to be saying you guys don't want to get into the specifics of the dispute. So is he not standing with them on the terms with which they're trying to negotiate? With I mean, them? to be very clear, he is standing with them to make sure that they get a fair share. That is what he's standing with them on. He is standing with them, and we've said this, that that they that we that they get the record the record uh, profits mean a record contract for UAW that is why he's going that is what he's standing for right they deserve a fair share of of the value that they helped create that's what the president is saying but the details the specifics of what that looks like what makes both sides happy or or, or anything in those negotiate at the negotiation table that is for them to decide that well then what's he doing there it's at the nego he has no position on how this negotiation comes out. He's just literally putting on the hat of one of the parties. Imagine that you have a mediator, okay? This happens all the time in contract disputes. There's a mediator. Imagine the mediator comes in, right? It's a dispute between you and me, and the mediator comes in wearing a Daily Wire hat. Which side do you think he's going to take in that mediation? This is so ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But he's a ridiculous president of the United States. Meanwhile, the line that is being used here by the Democrats is that Joe Biden is able to do this because he's overseeing a manufacturing renaissance here in the United States. Debbie Stabenow, senator from from Michigan, she was saying that, that Joe Biden can take sides with the UAW because he's bringing manufacturing jobs back to America. Now, this is one of the big lies that, that Joe Biden tells. We'll explore in just a second. In fact, the rate at which manufacturing jobs are being are being created in the United States is precisely the same across administrations. But here is a Debbie Stabenow line. And for the auto workers, what is the significance of the president being there today? Well, Willie, it's always great to be with all of you. Uh, let me just start by saying it is historic that we have the President of the United States that will be joining with the union on the picket line. He's actually been uh, overseeing the largest manufacturing renaissance in our history for all of us in our lifetimes right now, creating more jobs. We want to make sure they're good paying jobs. OK, well, that's a lie. I mean, here, for example, is a chart from the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis of manufacturing jobs that have been created over time. What you see is there's a massive decline in manufacturing jobs in the United States during the Great Recession from 2008 to 2009. And then it started to slowly climb and has continued to slowly climb all the way until about mid-2020. And then the pandemic hit. And then after the pandemic hit, it dived. And then it kind of increased back to where it was kind of before. So no, it turns out the manufacturing jobs have not been wildly coming back to the United States under either Trump or under Joe Biden. And the reason for that is because of partially union contracts. It turns out it's really expensive to do labor in the United States. So you've had tech upticks, right? People have been creating new technologies, robotics. That is, If it's that expensive to hire the UAW, why not just build the machines that are going to take those workers off the line? In the United States manufacturing sector, productivity has more than doubled since 1980, even as employment has fallen by about one third. Again, that is, that is because of machines. That is because of new technologies. We're never going to go back to the 1950s with the percentage of people who are in manufacturing. But the notion that, that Joe Biden can stand with the UAW and make labor in the United States more expensive and simultaneously increase the number of manufacturing jobs, it belies pretty much all data. Meanwhile, Steve Ratner, who was the Obama administration's car czar, actually slammed Joe Biden for doing all of this. He said for him to be going on the picket line is outrageous. He said there's no precedent for it. The tradition of the president is stay neutral in these things. I get the politics. The progressives all said we don't want a mediator, we want an advocate. And he bowed to the progressives. Now he's going to go out there and put his thumb on the scale and it's wrong. He's he, he's in favor of the UAW getting some more benefits. But he said increasingly militant UAW is overplaying its hand with an overly lengthy and overly ambitious list of demands. This is a prolonged strike, which could lead to far more widespread shutdowns or auto, of auto facilities, could jeopardize the economic recovery. Our nearly $800 billion auto industry accounts for 3% of economic output, with particular concentration in the Midwest, where states like Michigan are critical to Biden's reelect effort. So again, that's Obama's own cars are saying this is insane. You can't do this. Meanwhile, where did Joe Biden go? And his coalition basically right now is union heads, minorities, college educated white, light, white ladies. That, that, that is the coalition for the Democratic Party. And Joe Biden was trying to bring all that together. He spent 12 minutes on the picket line, according to the Free Beacon, with those auto workers. And then he headed directly to a fundraiser in California at the home of a billionaire couple that funds the movement to abolish policing. So he stayed there for like 12 minutes, gone, immediately moved over to California to pick up some checks from the rich libs. So 
solid stuff there from the president of the United States. By the way, the economy continues to stagnate. According to the Wall Street Journal, the amount of cash the U.S. households piled up after the pandemic struck has shrunk. In fact, U.S. household savings exploded after the pandemic because the government was signing people checks for nothing. So the question now is how much cash is left, if any. According to the Wall Street Journal, the easiest way to see what happened to savings in the wake of the pandemic is to look at the personal savings rate, measuring the share of after-tax income that doesn't get spent. In April 2020, it was 33.8% compared to 8.8% over the course of 2019. It stayed elevated throughout 2020 and most of 2021. Last year, it was just 3.5%. This year, it is 4.3%. Again, that is way too low. So one way that economists have tried to figure out how much excess savings are on those household balance sheets is basically to add up all the after-tax income that didn't get spent since the pandemic hit. One of the more pessimistic takes out there is from the federal researchers at the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. They calculate that excess savings peaked at about $2.1 trillion in August 2021. By the second quarter of this year, less than $190 billion remained, putting them on pace to be completely depleted in the current quarter. In other words, all those savings that people had saved up, we burned through it. It's pretty much gone. And now the Fed rate hikes are having a significant impact on people's wallets. According to the Wall Street Journal, consumers in the market for loans to buy homes and cars are discovering that because of the Federal Reserve's rate increases, their money gets them a lot less than it would have just a few years ago. Meanwhile, those with credit cards and other loans that carry rates pegged to broader benchmarks are finding they've gotten way, way, way more expensive. Borrowers shopping for mortgages or auto loans are experiencing sticker shock. 30-year fixed rate mortgages are around 7%. That's up from 3% just a couple of years ago. This is why they're sticking us in the real estate market. Nobody can sell in order to buy again because you're not going to sell your house even if you made money on your house because then you have to get into a 7% mortgage. Buying a home or a car right now is completely unaffordable for the typical American household because you're mixing the higher borrowing costs with the high prices, said Mark Zandi, chief economist at Moody's Analytics. He estimates the typical American household would need to use 42 weeks of income to buy a new car, up from 33 weeks three years ago. The National Association of Realtors calculates the typical American family cannot afford to buy a median-priced home. And then you wonder why Americans are pessimistic about the economy? This would be the reason. Meanwhile, the Biden administration doing its best to make life even more unlivable is having the FTC sue Amazon. So Amazon, which is the cheapest and easiest way for people to get product in the United States right now, is now being sued by Lena Khan, who is a wild lefty at the head of the Federal Trade Commission. She is trying to sue Amazon on the theory that they are effectively a monopoly and using monopoly power to enrich itself. Now, the problem, of course, is that there are two theories of monopoly. One is you own two larger percentage of the market. The second is that it's harming consumers. Name the way in which Amazon is harming consumers. They're bringing you products cheaper and faster than any company on planet Earth right now. The FTC is going after them anyway. Why? Because again, a bunch of political allies of Joe Biden, lefties, they, they don't like Amazon. It is too big and they want to break it up. That is where the Biden administration is right now. And then you wonder why this dude is so wildly unpopular. Well, that would be the reason. More on that momentarily. First, as you may know, we are all fans of our friends over at GenuCell over here at The Daily Wire. So I've been using GenuCell products for like a decade. So is my wife, so is my mom. They originally advertised on a show that I did, like a local radio show in LA a decade ago. Even after that show ended, we continued to use the product. It's just that good. But you don't have to take my word for it. Ella from Rockford says, I have both age and acne spots. This stuff is actually fading, both of them. The serum is worth every penny. Ella is raving about the famous dark spot corrector from GenuCell, a must-have after months of record heat and humidity. Sunspots of brown spots, discoloration, even red inflamed patches, all will disappear right in front of your very eyes. Here's the GenuCell amazing guarantee. You'll see results on day one or your money back. So take advantage of GenuCell's most popular package. It now includes that dark spot corrector, plus the classic GenuCell bags and puffiness treatment and immediate effects. All about 70% off. You can try the best skincare in the world for yourself completely risk-free. It's simple. Head on over to GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. Start looking years, even decades younger tomorrow. It really does work. It's awesome stuff. Say goodbye to dark and liver spots, bags and puffiness under the eyes, crow's feet at GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. That's GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. Go check them out right now. Again, results on day one or your money back, so you have nothing to lose. Also, remember a few months ago when a certain chocolate company sold themselves out to the woke? Seriously, they trotted out a dude who thinks he's a lady to be the spokes lady on International Women's Day. It was ridiculous. And so we launched an entire chocolate brand called Jeremy's Chocolate. The campaign was a huge success. We sold out in a matter of days. Then we got more in stock and then we sold those out too. Well, Halloween is coming and it's time for you to express your political preferences via chocolate. This is why you need to stock up on good, unwoke kosher chocolate. Head on over to jeremyschocolate.com. Order today and make yourself the most popular person in your community. Well, meanwhile, Joe Biden continues to fail on pretty much every front. It's just not economic. It's also immigration. The mayor of El Paso, Oscar Leeser, 
He was thanking Alejandro Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Secretary, and FEMA for disaster money. They wouldn't need disaster money for illegal immigration if they weren't opening the borders and allowing, you know, tens of thousands of illegal immigrants to pour into the country every single week. On the federal level, do you feel like the administration has been responsive to the scale of your needs? Well, the city of El Paso couldn't do it on their own. It's an impossibility that we would be able to fund these kinds of millions and millions of dollars. So we've been very thankful for the Secretary of Mallorca, the FEMA, that's actually given us the funding to move forward. But we, we do understand that funding may end, and it would be an impossibility for a city like El Paso to be able to do that and make sure that people are not on the street and we continue to protect the safety of our community and also our our. Um, Visitors. The same El Paso mayor also suggested, by the way, we don't have any more hotels. We've literally run out of hotel space for illegal immigrants. You mentioned ongoing crisis. You've said the city is at a breaking point right now. I'm interested, how long can you go on like this, particularly as surges continue uh, cyclically? You know, and, and the team here in El Paso has done an incredible job. The city, the county, we all work together to make sure that we provide a, uh, a bed and a warm meal for everyone. And uh, it, uh, but we are at a breaking point. We, we're, we're running out of hotels, we're running out of space. And when I talked to Chief Owens from the Border Patrol, he told us to prepare for about 2,000 crossings a day. Meanwhile, Chicago Alderman Raymond Lopez, he, he's out there openly saying that Joe Biden needs to get his head out of his ass. What we see here is the fact that Chicago can't sustain this. Chicago can't answer this crisis because this is the federal government's failure at the border brought to our backyard, literally here in the middle of the city of Chicago, in front of a police district, as a scene that's been repeated 22 times over, where we have nearly 1,600 people living in police districts, in the lobbies, in tents, in the parkways. You know, you can't keep asking cities like Chicago, whether they are a sanctuary or not, to come up with the solution for the federal government's failure. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, all of Congress need to get their heads out of their rear ends and start focusing what's on what's important and addressing this issue head on and not hoping that it magically disappears or that you could ignore it or wish it away because that's not working. There's a reason that Joe Biden's approval rating on immigration is 20 percent, 20 percent. And I imagine that those 20 percent are people who are immediate members of the Biden family because his his policy is a disaster area. Meanwhile, President Trump, again, this is a good issue for him. He's been blasting the fact that the Biden administration has been giving free cell phones to illegal immigrants crossing the border in the hopes that they will then call back in for their judicial appointments or something. And, and Trump's like, wait, we, we, we won't pay for military members to like go visit their families and we won't pay for them to have free cell phones, but we're going to give them to illegal immigrants. Explain. Puts the illegal aliens above our veterans. Our veterans live like hell. And uh, you know what you see what's happening. You ever see the illegal aliens that one the weirdest thing? They come in by the tens of thousands, sometimes a day, and they all have, they have cell phones. I'm saying, where do they get the cell phones? Everybody has a cell phone. They're all talking in these beautiful cell phones, and they're expensive ones, too. They're nice ones. Somebody who's into that said, those are good phones. And then I say, who, pay, who pays their bills? Who's paying the bills, Marjorie? Do you want to check that? I'll give it to Marjorie. She'll figure that one out fast. No, but you ever notice? They're all coming in with cell phones. Our veterans don't have cell phones, do they? Okay, he is right about that. Again, Biden's immigration policy is terrible. So is his crime policy. And the fact that you have an administration that has basically sicked its its attorney general, its DOJ, on police departments all over the country has predictable effects, including massive crime waves, particularly when it comes to mass shoplifting and looting that have taken over America's major cities. According to the Minneapolis Star Tribune, Target is going to close nine stores across four states because of theft and crime. There's a shocker. You mean the Black Lives Matter movement that ended with the police not being involved in any way in American life and basically standing aside as people loot stores? You mean that damages businesses and then the businesses leave? No, great shock there. According to the Star Tribune, Target is going to shutter nine stores across four states on October 21st because of theft and threats to safety, the company announced on Tuesday. The latest and loudest example of a retailer exiting urban locations because of crime. Target said it made the difficult decision to close the stores. They include locations in the Harlem neighborhood of New York City, Seattle, Portland, and the San Francisco Bay Area after Target determined that the theft preventative measures had proved ineffective. The company said it tried adding more security, including third-party guards and using deterrents like locking up merchandise. But the company also said, quote, we cannot continue operating these stores because theft and organized retail crime are threatening the safety of our team and guests and contributing to unsustainable business performance. 
We know our stores serve an important role in their communities, but we can only be successful if the working and shopping environment is safe for all. That's insane, by the way. Apparently, Target says that they expected inventory shrink attributed to theft and organized retail crime to reduce the company's profitability by $500 million this year. Target stores saw a 120% increase in theft involving violence or threats of violence in the first five months of the year. That is insane. Those numbers are crazy. The National Retail Federation, which represents retailers across the country, reported on Tuesday that the average shrink rate in fiscal year 2022 increased slightly to 1.6%. That brought losses to $112.1 billion to the industry in 2022. More than 45% of retailers had reduced store hours, nearly 30% had altered store selections, and 28% had closed the location because of crime or violence. Okay, that is all because of the Black Lives Matter movement and the aftermath and the Democratic Party's endorsement of lawless policy all across America's major cities. Then these businesses leave, and then it is the businesses accused of racism because they're leaving predominantly minority areas where the crime rates are highest. That's what's happening. And then, of course, it's capitalism that gets blamed, not the lawlessness that has been promoted by the Democratic Party. Meanwhile, the attacks on President Trump are coming fast and furious. There are two forms of attack. There are the legal attacks and there's sort of the publicity attacks. So the legal attacks, one of the stupidest legal attacks that we've seen is this ridiculous lawsuit by Letitia James, who is the attorney general in New York, who came into office pledging to get Donald Trump and then filed no criminal charges against Donald Trump because she couldn't find anything. So instead, she filed a civil lawsuit against the Trump Organization for Fraud, which was absurd. She was basically alleging that they had inflated their assets and, and their worth in order to get particular loan deals. The problem is the loan companies should be the ones suing. Like, why is Letitia James? So if the loan company doesn't like the loan that it cut with Trump and they think he was fraudulent about it, they could sue him, but they're not suing him. So instead, Letitia James is, well, now a judge has ruled that Trump committed fraud for years while building the real estate empire that catapulted him to fame and the White House. And he ordered some of the former president's companies removed from his control and dissolved. Judge Arthur Engeron, ruling in a civil lawsuit brought by the New York Attorney General Letitia James, found that Trump and his company deceived banks, insurers, and others by massively overvaluing his assets and exaggerating his net worth on paperwork used in making deals and securing loans. He then ordered that some of Trump's business licenses be rescinded as punishment, making it impossible or difficult for them to do business in New York. This is ridiculous. Honestly, it's, it's, it's just, it's ridiculous. Apparently, they allege that Trump, his company, and key executives repeatedly lied about his riches on his annual financial statements, reaping rewards such as favorable loan terms and lower insurance costs. Those tactics crossed the line and violated the law, the judge said, rejecting Trump's contention that a disclaimer on the financial statements absolved him of any wrong, wrongdoing. So here is the problem. I mean, who exactly did he defraud? And if he defrauded the government, shouldn't they bring criminal charges, not civil charges on, on all of this sort of stuff? Engram found, for example, that Trump consistently overvalued Mar-a-Lago, inflating its value on one financial statement by as much as 2,300%. The judge also rebuked Trump for lying about the size of his Manhattan apartment. This is like, this is super weak tea. Is it going to have any impact on Trump? Absolutely not. People are just going to go, oh, so he's just super rich, not super duper duper rich. Meanwhile, the media are agog over the latest tell-all from the Trump administration. Every so often, a member of the Trump administration leaves, gets a sweet gig over at CNN by talking about all the juicy stuff that happened during Trump's presidency. The latest bombshell thrower is Cassidy Hutchinson. Now, far be it for me to uh, deny Cassidy Hutchinson's truthfulness, but I have some doubts. The reason I have some doubts is because she's made multiple claims over the course of the last year or so that turned out not to be true. So, for example, Greg Price has a good rundown of this on Twitter. Hutchinson testified that Trump assaulted Secret Service agents and lunged for the Wheel of the Beast on January 6th. Remember this one that he's like, I want to go to the Capitol. Let me go to the Capitol. Ah! And then it turns out that everybody in the car was like, no, that didn't happen. And then she also testified that former White House counsel Pat Cipollone personally warned her not to allow Trump to go to the Capitol or, quote, we're, we're going to get charged with every crime imaginable. There's only one problem, which is that Cipollone was not at the White House when Hutchinson claimed he was. She testified that she was personally handwritten a note at the direction of Mark Meadows. But it turns out that it was the former Trump White House lawyer, Eric Hirschman, who said that he had written a particular note. Hutchinson testified that the former senior Justice Department official, Jeff Clark, strategized with Rudy Giuliani and the Trump campaign to object to the election, but those two never met each other. She then continued to work for Trump a full nine weeks after January 6th. In her private text with friends she that were reported by the Federalist and Daily Caller at the time, she joked about the riot on January 6th. She said the J6 committee was phony and BS and begged Trump officials for financial assistance after she was subpoenaed by the committee. Then she didn't receive the financial assistance and then she turned on Trump and wrote this tell-all. So now she has a new book out and uh, the media are doing a, a, an excellent job selling it for her. It is called Enough. 
And it has a big photo of her right on the front cover, which is always the sign of a, of a person who wishes to shy away from the limelight. Uh, and uh, her claims include the idea that apparently pretty much everybody in her 300-yard vicinity sexually harassed her. So she claims that Rudy Giuliani did. She claims that Matt Gates did. Uh, she, she claims that like a wide bevy of Republican figures sexually harassed her over her time. Um, she also claims that Mark Meadows, the former Trump chief of staff, was guilty about Herman Cain's death. Herman Cain was a former Republican candidate. He died of COVID. He had attended a rally that Trump held, and then he got COVID maybe from the rally. And um, and she suggests that, that a, again, pretty much everybody was very into her. Right? Rudy Giuliani, as we say, she, she claims that he literally sexually assaulted her. Quote, his hand slips up under my blazer, then my skirt. I felt his frozen fingertips trail up my thigh. He tilts his chin up. The whites of his eyes look jaundiced. My eyes dart to John Eastman, who flashes a leering grin. So um, there's that. She claims that Matt Gates made a pass at her during Camp David. He claims that he actually dated her. And then she said, I would never date him and all the rest of this stuff. And she's uh, she's making the rounds. So she was asked on The View, so uh, why didn't you abandon Trump sooner? And she said, oh, I was confused. I was confused. Well, I mean, maybe the question is, what made you abandon Trump? now and maybe the answer is because one side of the aisle like people people who turn on trump make a lot of money i tried to write the book with intention to bring the reader into my mindset at the time okay and frankly it is confusing and it's i wasn't delivered to confuse the reader but i was in this confused fog of a divided loyalty but knowing what i wanted but not feeling empowered to sort of break away from that Specific to actually moving to Florida with him after. Yeah. And again, in my hindsight now, I realize that this is not normal. I should not have been thinking like this. Mm-hmm. But I did genuinely put a lot of the blame on myself, on the people that had surrounded the president, because I felt that it was our job to advise him. It was our job to stop him yeah. from making bad decisions. Oh, that, that, it's, it's, it's also it's also self selfless. That, that's that's what we're seeing here. And then. Um, she uh, she choked up, which is, you know, what you do on a book tour, uh, said that, um, you know, she she felt that she she was killing people, that, that actually the Trump administration was killing people. In the Herman Cain moment specifically, that's in summer of 2020. In my mind at the time, I was thinking like. This was us like we are killing people we are and we i we, i knew we were being irresponsible with how we were handling covid yeah but this was somebody that was tangible that we knew and that was at the rally that we knew was a bad idea so then we flash forward to january 6 january 6 happened because of the administration because of the former president because of mr trump he is responsible for the person that was killed that day uh-huh. in my opinion okay and then she stuck around for nine weeks afterward and talked about how january 6 was bs so uh, there was that. Meanwhile, Rachel Maddow was giving her the red carpet treatment and uh, and asked her about all of the uh, the creepy claims of uh, sexual harassment in her book. And like like I say, she makes like a bunch of these sorts of claims. Uh, Ms. Hutchinson, one of the uh, claims in your book that received some um, attention ahead of publication um, is an allegation you make that Rudy Giuliani effectively groped you um, at the Trump rally on January 6th. You say that he um, reached his hand under your blazer and then under your skirt. Um, Mr. Giuliani's spokesperson has called this a disgusting lie against Mayor Giuliani. He gave us that statement again himself tonight. But I was struck by the fact that he was not the only one. Um, page 52 of the book, you say that John Boehner, of all people, um, looked down at my cranberry vodka and whispered dark liquor or red wine from now on. Then he tugged on the ends of my hair saying, and lose the ponytail. You describe the president, and this is not groping, this is not physical, but you describe him as telling you to add blonde highlights to your hair, which you then went home and did and came back I to them. <laughs> the White House the next day, that doesn't happen in normal workplaces. I'm just telling you now. Sorry. <laughs> I learn a lot on the outside. Yes. Uh, there's a whole world out there when guys get fired for doing stuff like that. <sighs> well, you know, there, there, there is an entire economy of people who have made a living off of, uh, of telling the tell-alls after, after serving in the Trump administration, which is, yeah, again, the, the media... Is that and this going to damage Trump? Not really. It's all baked into the cake, but it is uh, it is pretty amazing. It is, it is pretty incredible stuff. So there's all that. She also claims that uh, Trump was OK with Mike Pence being hanged, 
which again, people have already testified to the idea that Trump basically did nothing in the White House. So she's not really adding anything here. But um, she claims that um, that Trump actually was cheering on the hanging, which is certainly further than anybody else has gone. I hear him say hang repeatedly, hang, hang. What's that about? Mark hands his phone back to me, the cue for me to return to my desk. Back in my office, my phone notifies me of a Trump tweet. Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done to protect our country and our constitution, giving states a chance to certify a corrected set of facts, not the fraudulent or inaccurate ones which they were asked to previously certify. USA demands the truth. Hutchinson continues, I'm struggling to process what's happening as Mark, Pat Cipollone, Pat Philbin, and Eric Hirschman stumble back to the office. I overhear their conversation and suddenly everything makes sense. They are calling for the vice president to be hanged. The president is okay with it. He doesn't want to do anything. He doesn't think they're doing anything wrong. He thinks Mike is a traitor. This is crazy. We need to be doing something more. Again, she, like, uh, all of this is crocodile tears a little bit late here from Cassidy Hutchinson. And come on. Okay, time for uh, some quick things I like and then some things that I hate. So things that I like today. So there is a Republican debate tonight. Now, Donald Trump is leading the field by leaps and bounds. So the question is going to be exactly what is the purpose of this debate? So the the number of candidates on the stage is now down to seven. It obviously should be lower than that. The, the number of true candidates, even for the number two slot right now, is effectively DeSantis, Haley, Scott, Ramaswamy, Pence, and Christie, right? It's, just, it's effectively six. It's, it's, Burgum is going to be there. And listen, I enjoy Doug Burgum as much as the next, as much as the next political junkie, but why is he taking up time? Nobody really knows. Uh, you know, the, the, this debate, we'll, we'll see what the ratings are like for it. Right now, the polls are showing Trump far and away in the lead in every major state. Uh, Nikki Haley has slipped into a second place position in New Hampshire. When it comes to Iowa, DeSantis is far and away in the, in the second position over the rest of the field. No real good polling data coming out from South Carolina as of yet. Trump is ahead there. Nikki Haley is in second there. But bottom line is Trump is lapping the field. I mean, he's way the hell ahead. So what does everybody need to do tonight? Well, I mean, the field has to consolidate somehow or the same going to be a race. So somebody's got to get knocked out. So you presume that there's going to be a lot of fire. There wasn't any fire trained on DeSantis in the last debate, but I think the other candidates sense blood in the water. They're presumably going to go after DeSantis. DeSantis, meanwhile, is going to need to presumably fend off those attacks and make the case as to why he is going to be the best candidate to beat Joe Biden. And the, the more that Trump continues to lead in the race, the less these debates seem to matter, to be perfectly frank. With that said, it'll be fascinating to see the internal politics here, because basically right now, it seems like everybody is sort of running for second and then waiting for Trump to fall down. It seems like a lot of people are waiting for the indictment to come through or for Trump to actually get arrested again. I mean, like fully or, or convicted or whatever it's going to be. And maybe that'll knock him down. And then somebody sort of picks up the slack here. So it's fascinating to see the lobster scrum. Uh, the crab pot, as everybody tries to pull each other back down uh, into the pot. I would imagine most of the incoming is coming for DeSantis today. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes tonight. Okay, we'll, we'll cover it, obviously, tomorrow. Time for a quick thing that I hate. So Knott's Berry Farm is a place for children. Whenever people on the LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign left say they're not coming for the kids and to train them in their morality, I wonder uh, why then is this becoming such a common site? Why is this sort of stuff happening at you know, places with kids? So here is a bit of an act from Knott's Berry Farm. It's not Scary Farm because we are now about to enter October. And they had a, uh, a satanic show involving apparently a Sam Smith knockoff in bondage gear, a male slapping the asses of other men as, uh, as male and female gyrate around to the background of satanic imagery. So th this, is, this is for kids. Good, good stuff here from Knott's Berry Farm. So, uh, gyrating, thrusting, bondage gear. Uh, you've got women who are twerking in bikinis, in satanic gear, as, uh, as water splashes upon them. Perfectly appropriate for children. So glad that um, so glad that we can create this kind of future for our kids here in the United States. Already, guys, the rest of the show continues right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be getting into the latest government shutdown news. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free 
should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. <laughs> 